Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast of the Fires of Revival podcast. I am your host, Colton Prater, and I pray today's episode will be a help and an encouragement to you. Please don't forget to rate, review, and share the podcast with others. And now for the episode. I am very excited for today's episode. We're going to be starting a new series. We'll see how this goes and... Hopefully you've noticed, but here in 2022, I've tried being more conscious with doing little series and keeping all the episodes kind of in a certain theme for a few weeks and doing that so it's not as much as sporadic one episode here, one episode there on different topics, but trying to keep things in thematic basis and keeping a a general kind of run of scheme for the year. And for today, we'll be doing a new series that I am very, very, very excited about, and we're going to be looking at Famous Life Verses. So just some very common verses of the Bible, verses that people quote oftentimes, and we'll be looking at them and seeing what they actually mean. Because I think a lot of times people say, well, this is my life verse, or this is a famous verse, and they just say it and use it out of context and have no idea really what that verse even means. And today we'll be looking at what I think is probably the most taken out of context verse in the Bible, and that's going to be Philippians 4.13. So for this opening episode in this series, will be in Philippians 4. So if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to open it up and turn to Philippians 4 if you can. If not, just listen along as I read. But we're going to be looking at this. It's a very famous life verse. If you look at a lot of celebrities and things, this is a famous verse you see. But we'll be keeping this series probably at least three, four, maybe five weeks. We'll see. But we'll have uh, another one on Romans 8, 28, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, just to name a few of the verses that are famous life verses of people. And I'll just be looking at them kind of in context. What do they actually mean? I think a lot of times people just say these verses, think it means one thing, but it actually means something completely different. And we'll find that with this verse especially. But Philippians 4.13, I'll go ahead and read it. It says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And that verse that I just read is, as I said, the most taken out of context verse in all the Bible. And I've got maybe one other in mind that is in Matthew, the judge not that ye be not judged. But I think this one is the most taken out of context. And you see athletes use this verse all the time. You see it, you know, on t-shirts, on brands. You've got celebrities using this verse. It's on billboards. You see it on bracelets, t-shirts, the backs of cars, backpacks. You see it everywhere. And people think it, I saw a quote the other day on this verse, and someone said, I can do all things through, or I can do all things through Christ in a verse out of context. How funny that was. And how people treat this verse is that. And, you know, many treat this verse like a genie in the bottle. Well, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me so I can handle it. I can do it. I can just do whatever. And if you read it in context, which we will here in just a second, we'll read the verses around it. We find that if you read the verses around it, this verse means the exact opposite of what your celebrities and things. And maybe even you as a listener think it means as well. But we'll go ahead and read verses 11 through 13 all together because I believe they fit, fit together like a paragraph. And you'll see here, reading starting at verse 11 through 13, it says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And hopefully as you were listening to me read those verses, maybe you caught when you read it all together as a paragraph in context of scripture of what it's trying to say, you'll see it's painting a different picture than what we see on the news and what we see with celebrities and things. That it really does mean the exact opposite of what we've been taught our entire lives this verse means. And one thing I thought was pretty ironic when I was studying this, if you look at the book of Philippians in context, 
is that Paul said that verse that people try to use for their sports and things like that. He wrote this verse in prison. He was literally in a prison cell rotting and wasn't sure if he was going to get out or not. And he was in prison for preaching the faith, preaching the gospel. And he said, you know what? While I'm in prison, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. He was going through the, one of the greatest trials of his life, wondering if he's going to get out or not, wonder if he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison. And he wrote this verse, these verses, this entire book, while he was sitting in a jail cell. Let that sink in, listener, that he said these words in a prison. The thing is, could we have the same attitude as Paul had in a prison as well? If you were thrown in prison for sharing your faith, could you share the same attitude, the same sentiment that Paul shared? That, you know what? In whatsoever state I am, there I am to be content. Can we say that we're content in a prison cell? Can we say that we're content when life doesn't go our way? Are we happy? Are we okay with the fact that life isn't going how we thought it would go? That life isn't going as planned? So that's the thing today with this verse is that he wrote it in prison. The entire book of Philippians, the theme of it is joy. If you read any great Bible teacher, Bible commentator, They'll tell you that the theme of this book is wrapped around the theme of joy. If you read it for yourself even, you'll see it very clearly. It talks about being joyful and being content and rejoicing and working together. And he can't wait to get out of prison to work with the Philippian church again and, and so forth. Yet he wrote it in prison. The most joyful epistle that Paul wrote was in a prison cell. And I think it's pretty ironic that the Holy Spirit led him to do that. Is The darkest time of his life was when he was the most joyful. And we said the same thing about our life. With these verses that, you know, when life isn't going the way we thought it would go, when life isn't grand, when life is terrible and everything's going wrong, can we rejoice with Paul? Can we say the same things that he, did, that he did? Can we sing in the prison cell as him and Silas did when they were in prison in the Philippian jail? Can we sing in the trial? Can we glorify God when the trial goes on? Now let's look at the verse. We'll kind of break it down through phrases of verse 13. And he says there, I can do all things. And, you know, people take that and you know what, I can do all things. I can, you know, run a marathon. I can win a million dollars. I can do this. I can do that. It's like a genie in the bottle, as I said. You know, I can do all these things. But in taking in context, it's referring to verse 12. And verse 12 describes, I'll read it one more time. It says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So he's saying, you know, Paul is saying, look, I can do all things. that I can be abased. I can be hungry. I can be full. I can abound, I can suffer need, I can make it through these things, and we'll see how he can here in just a moment. But he's saying that. He's not saying I can go, you know, do all these great tasks, like hit a three-pointer or, you know, win the basketball game or win that brand new car or whatever the case is. But he's saying, look, I can do all things. I can suffer. I can not suffer. I can be full. I can be hungry. I can be brought low. I can be brought high. I can do all these things. I can make it. I can survive. And we'll find here looking on, he says, I can do all things, the next two words, through Christ. And he's saying he can survive the trial because of Christ. And the trials that we face today, we can survive if we rely on Christ. If we lean on him wholly, if we trust him, we can survive the trial and make it through Jesus Christ. Because he went through suffering far greater and far worse than what either myself or you listener have gone through. And we can do it through Jesus Christ. He is the key. He is the answer. He is the one who never changes. He is the one who is always the same forever and always. He's the one who's always good. He's the one we can lean upon, we can trust. Because he died on the cross, because he went through far greater suffering than Paul went through, than me or you went through, 
And if he can do it for our sakes, then Christ can give us the strength to survive the trials that we're going through today. And going back to verse 11, we find that through Christ, we can be content in the trial. And verse 11 says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And the question is, is that that our attitude? Are we content? Are, are we joyful during the trial? Can we make it when hard times come? Can we keep from getting upset? And I love the phrase, it says, not that I speak in respect of want. Here it is, it says, for I have learned. You know, it doesn't just come natural that you can be joyful. It doesn't come natural that you can be content. You've got to learn it. It requires some effort on your part. It requires asking the Lord to help you because he can help us to be joyful. He can help us overcome the trial. He can help us withstand the fiery darts so that we can make it through the hungry stage. We can make it through the stage where we're full. We can make it where we're abounding, where we're being abased, where we're being brought high, where we're being brought low, where we're suffering need, where we're not suffering need. Through Christ, we can be content regardless of the situation. See, too many times us as Christians, we get content dependent upon our circumstances. We think, well, everything's going great, now I can be content. But when everything goes bad, I can't be content anymore. But that's farther from the truth. Paul, who is suffering far greater than either me or you, listener, have gone through, is content. So can we. If Christ was content, so can we. If look at the martyrs of the faith, if many of them were content as well, so can we. Because if they were content facing death and facing great trials like that, then me and you with our little trials compared to them can be content as well. So the thing is, I pray that each of you listening today that you'll make verse 11 your attitude. And this is, I'm not perfect. This is something I'm learning myself according to verse 11. That I'm still learning to be content no matter what I'm going through. To trust the Lord no matter what trial, no matter what obstacle I'm facing is to be content. And that should be our attitude and our fortitude as well. And as I said, you know, many use this verse as a health and wealth verse. If everything's going to work out, I can do all things. But in rather, but rather, if you study it out in context, as, we, as I've hopefully shared with you here today, it's rather a grace through the trial verse. It's a verse that says, you know what, hard times are going to come, but God can give you the grace. God, can, because God giveth more grace, He gives us the grace, the strength to get through the trial, to make it, and not only to make it, but to survive and to flourish. This this epistle that Paul wrote in a prison cell impacted that church. It's, it's impacted believers for two thousand years. It's impacting us right now. It's impacting everyone who's read this, these verses, who's read this book. And every single person who lays eyes on these verses and reads them for themselves, the Holy Spirit is impacting their life. And because Paul was content, because Paul trusted God, his impact is still living on today through the book of Philippians. All because he was content. And in studying this entire book as a whole, you find that God can give us grace through the trial and he can give us the joy through the trial as well. So this verse isn't a health and wealth verse, but rather it's a grace through the trial verse. And then we'll look at just two more verses and we'll close out here. Just some other parallel parts of scripture. But in Isaiah 43, verse 2, Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. And if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn there yourself and read these verses yourself. Because there's some great verses. Isaiah 43, verse 2. Isaiah 43, verse 2. And it says this. It says, But when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flames kindle upon thee. And in that verse, God doesn't promise he's going to take away the flames. He doesn't promise he's going to take away the rivers. He doesn't promise he's going to take away the fire. But he says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk through it with you. And because of that, you can be content. He says, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. He said, you're going to have to walk through the flame. It's going to require some faith on your part. But God's going to keep you from getting burned. 
God's going to help you withstand the trial. God's going to help you withstand the fiery darts, the obstacles that are in our lives. And then if we'll look at Psalm 23, the book of Psalms, the 23rd Psalm, the famous one, we'll look at one verse here. And I want to point out just a little phrase in that verse, and then we'll close up in a word of prayer. But Psalm 23, verse 4, and if you have your Bible, I would encourage you like the last times to read it for yourself and maybe mark it up and look. But in Psalm 23, verse 4, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know, many times Christians today think, well, God promises a life of peace and, and you know, no suffering, and we're not going to go through any trials whatsoever. But that's the farthest thing from the truth. But what God does promise is he's going to be there for us. He says there, even though we're going through the valley, we're going through the hard time, he says, I will fear no evil. And he explains why he says, for thou art with me. He's referring to God, saying God is with him. He says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So God's going to protect us. God's going to be there in the trial with us. He's going to be there to protect us and to help us and to strengthen us. And that we don't have to go through these trials alone. See, Paul might have been alone in the jail, if you will. But he technically wasn't because he had the Holy Spirit living within him. He had Christ with him. And he was not alone. He had them living with him. And we have that same Holy Spirit living inside of us that was living inside of Paul, living inside of Barnabas, Peter, John. You look at many of the great Christians, every Christian actually, has had the Holy Spirit living in them and always will. And so will we. We need to recognize that. So I don't know what trial it is you're facing today, Christian. I don't know what valley you're going through. But realize that we can find strength in this passage. That this verse that's taken out of context and used so many times out of context is a genie in the bottle. If you look at it, verses 11 through 13, you can find great strength in that. Great joy in that. And you can find that, you know what? Despite the obstacles, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And I can make it because of Christ and because of what he's done for me and, what it, and because of what he can and what he will do for me and what he is going to do for me. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this day, this opportunity to record this broadcast. Thank you, Father, for this series. I pray that you use this Life Verse series to impact and change the lives of the listeners, Father, and just to drive them to further study of the Bible. I pray that you'll just bless each one listening today, give them a good day, a good week. I pray you'll bless this podcast, help it to grow, and minister to many, many more people, Father. And in your son's name, amen.